If you're a pro, you know that this is not efficient because you know there's a better way. There's also a better way to save. When pro customers buy building supplies in bulk at Lowe's, they save up to 20% every day. Buy in bulk and save up to 20% on concrete, gypsum, and gypsum accessories. At Lowe's, buy more, save more. Visit the Pro Desk or Lowe'sForPros.com for details. Discount applies to contract to pack items. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Robert Land, and with this being NFL Hall of Fame weekend, yes, the enshrinement speeches are Saturday night. We wanted to put up an encore edition of Locked On Texans when I spoke with my friend and our NFL historian, Andy Rio about the Hall of Fame inductees. We originally aired this show in mid-February, not long after they made the announcement. And just in case you missed it, here's my conversation with Andy Rio on the 2017 NFL Hall of Fame class. Well, the guys that got in, let's go through the class. It's Morton Anderson, the kicker, the running back, Terrell Davis. Everybody remembers him from the Broncos teams. Morton Anderson around for ages and ages. Safety, Kenny Easley. Famous for those 80 Seahawks teams. Jerry Jones, that no, needs no explanation. We talked a little bit about him with the Lockdown Cowboys host, Drew Davison. You have defensive end Jason Taylor, running back LaDainian Tomlinson. That's a gimme an automatic guy. And then, of course, the at quarterback, Kurt Warner. And first of all, Andy, any real surprises from, from this group or anybody that maybe you expected to get in this year that didn't get in? What do you think about this? Of course, uh, the headline guy that did not get in was Terrell Owens. You know, I think he's eventually going to get in. But naturally, I think that he's not going to be in right away, as as we know, because of the fact that he doesn't have the greatest teammate reputation. So you could say that was a little bit of a surprise, but at the same time, it wasn't a gigantic surprise. I think it's always a little bit surprising when kickers get in because it doesn't happen very often. That said, Morton Anderson was very deserving. I think there were a lot of people that were always wondering about Terrell Davis because he was phenomenal, but it was for a shorter period of time. Same actually really for Kenny Easley. Both guys had their careers cut short. But I think in the end, when you look at Terrell and, you know, he – was the man that got John Elway over the top uh, after you know all those brilliant years and everything and got him his uh, two Super Bowl titles. So I think that TD was uh, very rewarding. You know, with regards to Jerry Jones, obviously it's well known he's monetized, helped the NFL monetize throughout his tenure as owner, owner of the Cowboys. But, you know, can you make a case that uh, Paul Tagliabue being commissioner during a massive period of growth in the NFL was more deserving than Jerry. I think you probably can. I never get excited, excited about owners and executives getting into the hall of fame. Cause I don't know if there's anybody there that goes to the hall of fame and goes, you know what I want to see? I want to see the, the owner and all the highlights of the owner's career or the highlights of the executive's career. I mean, I think we could have stopped as far as commissioner at the, the main guy, which was, Roselle, I wasn't a fan of Tagliabue. I'm sure Goodell's going to get in. Nobody's going to want to see that. Uh, he, he might get booed during his acceptance speech down the road. But 
But I just I don't get excited about the owners. One thing that I, I did want to ask you about, though, Andy, is Terrell Davis, because he was a guy. I mean, I remember this so vividly that when he retired, everybody said, ah, oh, he, he didn't play long enough. He was he was a guy that everybody said, I, I don't know if he should be, ever be in the Hall of Fame. And I, and I look at his stats and I wanted to compare him to Earl Campbell, a Houston, Houston guy. Of course, the great Oilers. Everybody knows about Earl around here. And Terrell Davis's numbers and Earl's numbers pretty darn similar. I, I would say the one difference, obviously, is Terrell Davis picked up the two Super Bowls, but he did have John Elway as his quarterback and one of the great quarterbacks of all time. And then I also looked at it, and you know, Terrell Davis had that historic 2,000-yard season, and Earl Campbell had some incredible seasons of his own. I would say Earl had maybe one more great year, you know, one more of those 1,000-yard seasons, or th- I think it was 1,300-yard season for Earl that, that Terrell Davis had. But if you start looking at their numbers and you start parsing them, it's pretty darn similar. I guess everybody just always thought, if I remember right, Andy, that Terrell was just kind of a product of that, that system, that Broncos system. And then, and then nobody else really did what he did after he left. The other guys had some 1,000-yard seasons, but nobody did it like he did it as consistently. Exactly. And, you know, there has certainly been a track record at running back. I wouldn't put Terrell Davis in the league of Gale Sayers, but if you go back, uh, Gale Sayers was a uh, just an unbelievable talent in his era, and his career was also cut short by injury. But while he was at his peak, he was absolutely brilliant, and TD was phenomenal in his peak too. So uh, I think there is a protocol that's already been put in place when you go back to a Gale Sayers and, you know, some guys, uh, you know, for whatever reason, their brilliance is kind of over a short period of time or it's kind of sporadic throughout their career. Kurt Warner obviously is is very worthy of being in the Hall of Fame, but he had a few peaks and valleys in his career. I, I think the main thing is if somebody is brilliant and transcendent, even if it's for, you know, maybe three or four years, that's probably enough to get him in. Yeah, exactly. And Kurt Warner was in three Super Bowls. He lost two of them in dramatic fashions. I mean, he could have easily won those three Super Bowls because he lost to the Patriots on the last second field goal, as everybody remembers, back in the early 2000s. And then he lost that one against Pittsburgh, which was one of the great Super Bowls against Ben Roethlisberger, the the last second touchdown. Who was the guy that caught that one in the corner of the end zone, Andy? Uh, San Antonio Holmes. Yeah, San Antonio Holmes had the great catch in the corner. And then, you know, I, I look at a guy like Kenny Easley, and I remember him being just so dominant, Andy. It surprised me that it took this long. Was it just because his career was too short? Because, you know, he's had five pro bowlers, four-time first-team all-pro. He had a second-team all-pro, NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 1984, and he was on the all-'80s, all, you know, he was the all-decade team. To me, it's kind of surprising to me that it took him this long. Yeah, it is a little surprising. Um, I mean, back then, uh, Seattle was a little off the radar screen compared to other teams. I mean, the the Seahawks were still a newer franchise in the 80s, so that might have had something to do with it. And yeah, the fact that you know his career was cut short probably didn't help, but it's good to see. I mean, that's what the, the, the senior selections are all about. I mean, there are some guys that have fallen through the cracks. He was one of them. So I'm, I'm very glad to see that he finally got in. And, and when you go back to Kurt Warner, 
you know, I, I don't think you will find a more resilient player than Kurt Warner. I mean, this is a guy who goes from quarterbacking in the arena league to leading the Rams to the Super Bowl title. Then, you know, he loses his job to Mark Bolger. He ends up briefly with the Giants, then ends up with Arizona. He's just supposed to be a supporting cast member. They thought Matt Leinert was going to be the long-term answer, and Warner just kept battling and battling and, you know, he, he had a couple of brilliant seasons in Arizona. And, you know, that's a franchise that has not always had success. And, you know, he got him within an eyelash of a world championship. Morton Anderson, is it safe to say that that's the first Danish Hall of Famer? Andy, I can't, I can't imagine there's anybody else. <laughs> I haven't extensively researched that, but you are probably correct. Ladanian Tomlinson, where do you put him on your all-time running backs list? If you're, your basic running back list all-time, you, you probably start off with Jim Brown, Barry Sanders. Those guys usually are in everybody's top two. Walter Payton. Walter Payton is probably right there in the top three, four, and five. Where, where is Tomlinson in that group? He's a top five, top ten. Where, where do you put him? I would uh, probably have to really give it some pretty serious thought, but I'd say he's at a minimum top 20. Uh, I would say he could potentially go higher than that. This list, Andy, if you look at it, you're going to see some great speeches at the Hall of Fame with these guys. And it's, it's going to be interesting to me. I, it feels like, and I don't know what you would think, but it feels like Jerry Jones, he's going to be the, the, the guy at the end. He's going to carry the mantle as the, as the main guy would be my guess because he's Jerry Jones and because it's the Cowboys and all that stuff. But Kurt Warner on most, and most of the time he would be the guy that you would think, Oh, that's the guy that's going to be the end. So you got Kurt Warner, Tomlinson should, Tomlinson should, should be great. Jason Taylor's a really good speaker. Uh, don't know much about Kenny Easley or Anderson. Uh, Terrell Davis, I assume is going to be really good. There's going to be some really good speeches this year. Yeah, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a very interesting evening. Let me ask you, as far as just overall, when you look at the guys that you have put in your top group of maybe overlooked Hall of Famers, you know who are the guys that you feel like they still haven't got in? You might not. You're going. Why haven't? Why isn't this guy got in? Or why hasn't that guy got in? Do you have a couple guys in mind? One of the guys that, uh, you know, was a finalist this year, and obviously he's more of an older school guy, uh, the late, great Don Coriel. Um, obviously, one knock about Coriel is that he never won a world championship as coach, but he was an incredible offensive innovator, and, um, you know, his innovations are still felt in the game today, and, and overall, he was a pretty successful coach. So I think just for the innovation factor involved, I think he deserves a place. I, I think Isaac Bruce certainly deserves a place in the hall. I mean, we're going to get – we've got a little bit of a wide receiver backlog, and it's going to continue next year when Randy Moss becomes eligible for the first time. But I think certainly he has a case. And one wide receiver that has I've always thought has been long overlooked, he's been a – finalist before in the past or I should say semi-finalist he doesn't really seem to be on the radar screen maybe he'll eventually come back as a senior nominee and it's somebody who's actually played high school ball in Houston at Worthing and went on to a long distinguished career with the Oakland and Los Angeles Raiders I'm talking about Cliff Branch uh, four-time first team all pro in the uh, 70s uh, three-time Super Bowl champion one of the preeminent 
deep threats in that era and for a lot of his career um you know there were not a lot of shorter routes there were a lot of long routes back then especially in that raider offense and i i just think he's somebody that has been completely overlooked for years that's real surprising andy isn't it because there there are so many raiders that have gotten in over the years and al davis you know was always was great i i feel like it at getting those guys out there and promoted by the people that were voting for the Hall of Fame. And it seemed like there was always this this Raider that was getting in maybe every other year into the Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, and he, he was the only wide receiver who played on all three of the Raider championship teams. Uh, you know, you go back, there were two years in the 70s. I mean, he had 13 touchdowns in 1974 and 12 touchdowns in 1976. And again, that was an era where the passing game was nowhere near as commonplace as it is now. He had an 88-yard touchdown catch in his career. He had a 99-yard touchdown catch in his career. Uh, It's just a shame the guy's been overlooked. Let me ask you, because we could talk Texans a little bit as far as the Hall of Fame as well. You know, the, the, the the main guys, obviously, everybody thinks of J.J. Watt and Andre Johnson. I, I kind of joke, though, that the first – guy that that is warrant will wear a Texas uniform and will make the Hall of Fame is Ed Reed. Am I forgetting anybody, Andy? Is there anybody else that had a cup of coffee that you could recall with the Texans that might be getting in the Hall of Fame at some point in the near future before Andre Andre Johnson or an Ed Reed? If you want to get absolutely technical about it, he never played a game for them, but uh, they they were going – they had plans – for Tony Baselli to play for him. <laughs> is Tony Baselli a Hall of Famer? I think so. He was a finalist this year. Um, he may very well fall under that heading of, you know, brilliant but short career, but uh, I, I think he certainly will get in at some point. Andre retired this year. Does he get in in five years? Do you think they make him wait? Does it depend on this class? I'm trying to remember uh, any other anybody else that of the major names that – will be in this class that, that he's in, that, that uh, th- this is their last year? Well, I, I think it's going to just depend so much on how the the classes shake out over the next four or five years as to whether Andre's a first ballot guy. Um, you know, it, it helps that Larry Fitzgerald isn't going to retire because I think of all of the, the wide receivers out there, certainly he has a great chance of being a first ballot guy as does Calvin Johnson. Yeah. Calvin Johnson. Yeah. That's, that's a guy retired who retired last year. He's definitely, I think you got to make him a first ballot guy. I mean, Calvin Johnson was the best of his era. There's no question about that. And if, if, you know, guys like Terrell Davis and, and, and some of these guys we're talking about with short careers could get in, then Calvin Johnson, you know, he had a longer career than I think, some of these guys with these really short four and five year windows and just putting up exceptional numbers. The the guy that uh, from Houston, the Oilers, Robert Brazil, we're still waiting for him. That's the one other Houston connection that I can think of. Uh, Andy, do you think that's going to happen? I mean, John McClain's been behind him. If, if John McClain can't, can't get him in at this point, I'm wondering if there's much hope for him because Robert Brazil, he was on that all seventies team and he redefined the position. Uh, he's, he's got the ultimate respect from Lawrence Taylor. He said incredible things about Robert Brazil and what he was as a player. Uh, to me, Brazil should, you know, it's just like, I don't know how many more years he's going to have. 
Well, I, I think certainly a very strong case can be made for him to get in. Uh, I think he also is one of those guys who's fallen through the cracks. Um, I don't know if it's imminent or not, but I think certainly a strong case can be made. And, and it would be nice to see that because, uh, you know, there have been obviously other players that have made it in from the Love You Blue era, and he was a huge part of that. I'm wondering, I'm trying to go through some of the Texans right now that could be maybe potential Hall of Famers. They're not in that point in their career, Andy, that maybe you could say, oh, yeah, they're Hall of Famers. But DeAndre Hopkins, if he gets a real quarterback and he can, and the Texans you know, keep him around, that's a guy that is, I think about could be a Hall of Fame guy down the road. Uh, Clowney, you know, Clowney, uh, I don't know the impact – He's had in his in his first real season, but he's going to have to stay healthy. That's a key for him, and it's super early for him. But DeAndre Hopkins is to me that that's a guy that I think of of all the Texans right now outside of JJ Watt. You know, you think that's a Hall of Famer down the road if he can somehow manage to to put a, a few more years like this together. Yeah, I mean, he needs some more monster seasons, but uh, he he's got the trajectory to potentially do it if Clowney can have can stay healthy and have several more big seasons, well, then he'll start to get on a trajectory to do that as well. Well, great stuff, Andy. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on this. It's been a lot of fun. Any Anything else you're thinking about as far as the Hall of Fame? Did I miss anything? It's pretty pretty interesting class, though. I think this is a really good class, and, and there's a lot of good guys in this class, especially I, I love Kurt Warner, one of the real, real solid people in the sport. LaDainian Tomlinson, you, you didn't hear much bad about him either. No, a uh, good group of players, a uh, lot of variety. I mean, you've got a uh, pass rusher, you've got a safety, you've got a quarterback, you've got two great running backs, a kicker, um, you know, a, a rather interesting owner to say the least. So, yeah, definitely uh, should be a nice mix uh, on uh, Hall of Fame weekend. Well, Hall of Fame weekend, it's Saturday, August the 5th, will be the enshrinement in Canton. For me, I love it. I love the speeches. I think the NFL speeches, there's a little bit more heart, more emotion a lot of times in those speeches. It's a lot of fun. Thanks so much for doing this, Andy. Let me just close it out. Give me a few seconds. And before I officially close it out, I want to remind everybody, just check out the Houston Sports Talk podcast. That's my podcast where I hit on everything going on in Houston sports. And if you've got something you want me to talk about, just email me at LockedOnTexans at Mail.com or go to our Facebook or Twitter page the Locked On Texans, at Locked On Texans on Twitter, and, of course, Locked On Texans on Facebook. Thanks so much for making Locked On Texans a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah.